1 John 3, 1, the word of the Lord says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. I will be reading verses 1 through 11. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love God one another. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. That's all I get? Let's try it again. Great day. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, Man, I, I hope it's going to be a Merry Christmas. I mean, wow. I was like, man, that was shocking. I'm, i got to gather myself after that one. Now, good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, several announcements, then we'll jump into God's holy word here in First John. And we're going to look at a few things about uh, the advent of love. Uh, just as a way of announcements, uh, this evening at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall, we'll gather together for finger foods, uh, dessert, uh, coffee and hot chocolate and just a time to fellowship. Uh, Jared may play some uh, Christmas carols, uh, so come join us at 5 o'clock this evening. Also, there will be no Wednesday night um, meals or prayer service for the next two weeks. So this week and next week, no uh, Wednesday night services will resume on the 5th of January. And then uh, mark your calendars for Friday at 5 o'clock. We'll gather in here for a candlelight Christmas Eve service. So that's uh, Friday at 5 o'clock. And last but not least, we've been talking about uh, our desire to hire a youth pastor. A search committee has been formed. Uh, we'll pray for that this morning. Uh, just begin, continue to pray for that search committee for who God uh, would have for us. Let's go to Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump into 1 John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 4 this morning as we look at love. 
pray with me this morning. God, we do come and we humble ourselves before your mighty hand. We continue to plead to you and ask for you, uh, for those of us that know you, love you, trust you, accepted you as our Lord and Savior, that you'd work in our lives uh, through sanctification, that we become more like Christ. Even this morning, you use this worship service to do that in us. And if there's anyone here, Lord, that does not know you, I pray that this morning would be the morning that they would open the greatest gift that they've ever received, and that's your love uh, through salvation, through your son Jesus. So I pray through the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will work in their lives to awaken their hearts, minds, ears, and eyes to see and experience that truth this morning. And now, God, we do come and we humble ourselves and we continue to plead to you and ask for your wisdom, your provision, kindness, as we uh, have been praying for a youth pastor. Pray that you would uh, awaken the heart of that man and that you would have for us. Again, uh, whether they're here in this building this morning or, or not, if they are here this morning, I pray that they would hear from you uh, clearly uh, and approach myself or one of the deacons or one of the people on the search committee uh, and ask uh, to be a part of that process of uh, becoming our youth pastor. If they're not here this morning, God, we pray that you would uh, bring them to us uh, through the means of this search committee. I pray for our search committee that you'd pour out your wisdom on them as they will begin to put together all the things that need uh, to, they, they will need to do the search for that right person. But God, you already know who you have for us. And so we pray for them. We pray for ourselves. Um, we pray for this um, relationship, this connection with this person, that it'd be so evident this is who you would have for us. Now, God, we come to the teaching and preaching of your word. We know that your word is infallible, inspired, and inerrant. It is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So we pray that, that, that your word would do that in our hearts this morning. We come and we look at the advent of love. We want to be so reminded of what this great love you have for us. And so I pray that you would stir our hearts to that this morning. So lead us, guide us, and make us more like Jesus this morning. We pray this in the famous name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3 this morning. 1 John chapter 3. We'll look at a few verses in that chapter. Then we'll flip over uh, to just one page to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at this word, love. This is the fourth week uh, of Advent. The fourth week of Advent is always celebrated with love. This word love is the Greek word which means Agape it means an unconditional love, an undeserved love. It's a free gift we see throughout God's word that's been given to us by God. And my hope this morning for us, as we come into this last week of Advent, that all of us would experience God's unconditional love, starting with us this morning. My prayer is that if you're here this morning, you've accepted Christ, that you have experienced and are experiencing God's love you this morning even by us getting up and coming into this building to worship him and to fellowship with one another that is God's unconditional love for us I don't know if there's a greater gift that you could receive this Christmas than the salvation that comes through Christ Jesus 
which comes through love. We know that from where? First, from John 3.16. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. But the whole text is surrounded and anchored in this one word. The word is love. Or what? God so loved the world. He did what? He gave His only Son. That whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have eternal life. We see from John 3.16 the Christmas story. That is the essence of the Christmas story in one verse. That God loved us so much that He did what? He gave His one and only Son for us. I've said it from here. I'll say it again. I love y'all, but I'm not giving cedar away for any of y'all. But the love of God that God had for us, He poured out onto us by giving us His one and only Son. Now that love, we're going to see the implications of that love this morning, but I want you to think of this when you held your child uh, at, at birth. This is God the Father looking on God the Son, His Son, and he knew from that moment when Mary and Joseph were holding that baby in that end, that that boy, that baby would grow up and one day die on a cross. He wouldn't just die on a cross, but all that took place during Passion Week, God saw that on his son and said, this is my means to love the world. And he would pour out that love onto Jesus so that Jesus' love would be poured out onto us. Isaiah says it this way. That this love was poured out on us and he was beaten beyond that you could even notice him as a man. But that was God's foresight, his foreknowledge that God would love us that much that he would give his only son for us. Now John picks this idea up about God's love for us. And he says to us these things. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Circle that word, see, in your Bible. First thing that we must do is behold His love or See his love. That word in the Greek means this to take notice, to consider, to pay attention to, or to concern oneself with. It's not just see as you go this season and go see Christmas lights. Like, oh, there that's pretty, and you move on to the next house. What it means is, is that you would stop and you would ponder and you would think and you would consider it, you would sit and behold his love this morning. So my hope and my prayer is that this morning we would stop and we would see, as John says, or we would consider his love this morning. My question to you, my question to me this morning, my question to us as a church, when is the last time we've stopped and considered God's love for us? Like We've really sat and pondered the love of God. Because that's what Advent, this Advent week of love is. Would we take this week and just simply this week Consider God's love for us. His great love for us. So I want to look at four things this morning. 
as we behold his love or we consider God's love for us. First, I want to look at the birth. I want to look at the cost. I want to look at the method. And I want to look at the implication. Let's look at first the birth. It says this, See, behold, consider what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. Down in chapter 4, verse 9, he says it this way. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. This is how we can see the love of God, is what John is saying. The, the word manifestation means is he's going to take something that is unseen and make it seen to us. So all of us in this room this morning, we can behold or we can see the love of God. How? Because he sent his one and only son into the world. So this morning we behold the love of God through the birth of his son. Luke 2.12, we've been studying, says this. This will be a sign for you. That you will find a baby wrapped in what swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Matthew 2.11 says it this way. And when they were going into the house, that's the magi, the wise men, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures, their gifts, and offered these things to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 53. He says, for he, Jesus, grew up before him or, or us like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we would look at him and no beauty that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was one from whom men hid their faces and he was despised and we esteemed him not. This morning, the first thing that we see we behold the birth of Christ. That God really did send His one and only Son. That is not a fable. That is not a nursery rhyme. That is not a cute story. That is the reality of God's love for us. That God in His kindness to us, we can see the love of God simply by staring at a manger this morning. You, you see, this is beautiful and all. This manger scene but this manger scene if you take notice of this manger scene all eyes are on who the baby if you look at matthew's account it says this about the magi and it says this about the wise men it says that they came and they saw who first the baby i want you to think for a moment when you go into the hospital to see mom and baby who do you first see the child. So my question to you, my question to me, are all of our eyes beholding the glory of God through Jesus Christ, His Son? Do you believe this morning that He truly did send His one and only Son for us? If that's all that He did, we don't even need to teach the rest of the text. Are we beholding the glory of God this morning through 
God the Son. My prayer for us this week and as we come into Christmas, Christmas morning, that we would see and behold the glory of God through the birth of Jesus. Not some tree, not some presence, not even fellowship with your family. But all those things would help us consider the birth of His love through His Son. So this morning we consider the love of God through the birth of Jesus. The next thing that we would sit and ponder and consider is the cost of His love. What did this love cost the Father? What did this love cost the Son? He says it this way, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Later on, he he says it this way. He says that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this love, not that we loved him, but that God loved us, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. What did this love cost? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the way the Apostle Paul says that this love cost the father something and cost the son something. He says, who though he was not in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What did this love cost the Father? What did this love cost the Son? It cost the Son to give up his royal rights. Remember where Jesus is before he's born into the hands of a teenager and in placed into a manger full of hay. He's in the glory of God. He's in the throne room of God. And all of the angels are singing to Jesus. And he gave all that up. I don't know about you, but I love comfort. Anyone else love comfort? And what did Jesus do? He gave up all that comfort for us. Like in one moment, the glory of God and the heavens are declaring who Jesus is. We see that in Isaiah's account. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see that in John's account. In John, in Revelation chapter 4. All the angels are singing to Jesus. And in that moment, of obedience, he took on the form of a human in the form of a baby that he would give up all those rights. It cost him something. What did it cost him? What did he do it for? Says, again, we would consider the love that God has for us. 
the method of that love. So he sends his son Jesus for us. It cost him a lot. And now the method of that love, how do we receive that love this morning? What Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, for God showed his love for us. That we are, while we were yet sinners or enemies of him, he did what? He died for us. He says it, John says it, that he, being loved by God, and because God's love, he sent his son to be what? The propitiation for our sin. What does that word propitiation mean? It's only used two times here in the book of 1 John. No other place in the Bible is that word used. It's used in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. It's used here. The propitiation for our sin. What does that word mean? It means this. The atoning death of Jesus on a cross through which he paid the penalty demanded by God because of people's sin and settled it with God to make us free from sin and death. The method of his love for our freedom is his death. So it cost him everything. It ended up through the method of his love. It cost his, his life so that you and I could have life. Are we beginning to grasp and consider how the mag, great the magnitude of love that God has for us? Not us collectively, though he does, but this love isn't just collective, it's individual, it's for you. If you or I were the only person on the planet this morning, God would still have sent his only son on our behalf so that he could what? Have relationship with us. That is how much he loves us. That he would sacrifice his one and only son on behalf of you and you alone. Now again, in my mind, it makes sense. I'll sacrifice my son for seven billion people. That makes a little bit more sense. But when we start scaling it down, God showed his love for us and to us that he would have done it for you and you alone. Think about the magnitude and the, the grandness of that kind of love. I think we can get lost in that idea like God loved the world. And he does love the world. We know that from John 3.16. But you are part of the world. I am part of the world. He would have done it just for you, just for me. When is the last time we sat and pondered and considered that kind of love? But he did become, through his love for us, the propitiation for our sin, that he would absorb the wrath of God on the cross for us so that we would never have to feel God's wrath. There's not enough words to put into the air to express that kind of love. That Jesus loved us enough to die on a cross to absorb the wrath of God. You see, there's this moment on the cross that you and I will never experience unless we die and go to hell. It's the moment that Jesus says, 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in that moment that Jesus didn't feel the presence of God. And he was willing to not feel the presence of God for us so that we would have an opportunity to always feel the presence of God. If you're not a believer here this morning, you still this day feel the presence of God. But if you do not know him, you do not receive this free gift of love, there will be a moment that you will not experience the presence of God. That's what makes hell, hell. But Jesus in that moment experienced that for us so that we would never have to. That's what it cost him. So this morning as we look at and consider his birth, we consider his cost, we consider his method, now let us consider the implications of his love. If you've received Christ this morning, this is part of that gift that is given to you. Several things we see in chapter 3, in chapter 4. I want to go through as many of those as possible this morning. Here's the implications of God's love for you and I this morning. The first one is this. Look at John, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, what kind lets us consider the love the Father has for us, that what we should be called what? Children of God. The first implication of God's love for you and I is what we've been adopted into his family. We are his children. Think about that for a moment. God's love poured out through Christ on our behalf now lets us be children of God. It's the first implication. The second implication is found in verse 3. I'll read verse 2 and 3. Behold, we're God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him. The second implication of God's love through Christ is this. You will be like Jesus because of his love. We will be like him is what the apostle John says. Have you considered that love yet? There will be a day that we are fully righteous, fully holy, fully acceptable in the presence of God. We will be like Christ. I'm not saying we will be God. I'm not saying that. But we will be like him in all respects without his divinity. We will be what God truly intended us to be. And that's what he intended in the garden before the fall in complete relationship with God without sin in the middle of it. The next thing that we see and the implications that they have for us is this. It's found in verse, the end of verse 2. Not only will we be like him, it says, but we will what? We will see him. One day our eyes will actually see Christ the King. And we see Him uh, and throughout the world today in His nature, but there will be a day that we will actually behold and see the King 
of glory. The next implication that this love has for us is found in verse 5. John says it this way. You know that he appeared in order to what? Take away sins. And in him there is no sin. The next implication of his love is that he takes away the sins of the world. Without God's love poured out through Christ on your behalf, there are no, there's no possible means for your sins to be removed. But the implications of his love is he has now removed sin from your life if you trust and obey him. The next one is this. Found in verse 3. He's talking about this love and he says anyone or everyone, that's the believer, if there's a believer who has this hope in him, what does this hope do? It purifies him as he is pure. The next thing, not only does it take away our sins, but it purifies us. It makes us righteous. What we would call the imputation of Christ. That, that's We now absorb the righteousness of God and he absorbs our sin. We will be made pure because of this love. The power of the next one. The implications of this love. Look what it does to Satan himself in verse 8 of chapter 3. It says, whoever takes this practice on sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. This is the reason the Son of God appeared. So the implications of his love is what John is saying. Was what? To destroy the works of the devil. God's love for us, destroys the work of the devil. Amen to that. Amen. The love of God has the power to destroy the works of Satan. Jesus said, what are the works of Satan? John chapter 10, verse 10. For the enemy comes to what? To kill, steal, and destroy. That is the work of the enemy and the love of God through Christ and his death and his life destroys that work. So we believe that this morning. The next one is found in verse 9. The implications of his love this morning is you are born of God. You've been born again because of his love, not because of anything you've done, but because he's loved you so much that you've been born again. The next implication is found in chapter 4, verse 9. And this love, this unconditional love of God, was made manifest among us that God would send His only Son into the world so that what? We might live through Him. Because of God's love, we now get to live through Christ Jesus. Remember what John said in John chapter 10, verse 10. This is the works of the devil, but this is the works of the Lord. That I would come and you would have life and life to the full. The only way to have life and life to the full is through the love of God. It's the only way that we'll be able to live. The next is found, the next implication is found in chapter 324 and chapter 413. Because of this love, what Jesus says at the end of his journey on the earth before he ascends, he's going to give us his Holy Spirit. 
God loves us so much that now in every one of us, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He's in you this morning if you believe in him. That's the implications of his love. And the last one is this, found in chapter 4, verse 17. He says this, By this love perfected with us, so that we might, what, have confidence in the day of judgment. God's love poured out through Christ on us gives us confidence on the day of judgment. That confidence that now that we can stand before a holy God and be redeemed or be set free or come into his presence. That's because God's love has been poured out onto us. We have confidence that we can draw near to him. That's what God's love does for us. The next thing that we must do is this. That's all good and dandy. That's all good to consider his birth. That's good to consider his cost, that's good to consider the method that he's done this, but it all hinges on verse 16 of chapter 4. Let's look at that for a moment. It all hinges on this one word that we've come to know into what? Doesn't just say we come to know this love in the text. It says we've come to what? Read it, read it to believe. You can know all about the love of God. But unless you and I trust and believe the love of God, those things will not take root in your life. So my question to you this morning is, are you believing in the love of God? Do you really believe that he poured his life out for you? Do you believe that God sent his one and only son? You can know that, and if you don't believe that, it doesn't matter. You believe that this morning. And then he says, if you believe that, he goes on throughout this text over and over. If you believe that, then you will what? You will abide in him. My question to you, my question to me, my question to us, the church, is do we believe in the love of God poured out for us, and are we abiding in that love this morning? The word abide means that we would dwell with that. How do we dwell with that? We dwell with that because we dwell with this. John says it this way. In the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the word. So if we want and we really believe, are we dwelling in this today? Are you abiding in this today? To the level that you abide in this, to the level that you believe in this. And to the level that you abide and believe, then it's what he says on and on and on in this text. You will keep his commandments. There's no way to keep his commandments if you don't know his commandments. There's no way to know his commandments if you're not abiding in his commandments. There's no way to abide in his commandments if you don't believe in his love. Are we, this morning, considering and believing in his love because now he's going to tell us the application of both knowing and believing. Let's look at John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. 
For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That we should what? Love one another. Let's skip down to verse 16 of chapter 3. By this we know that we love, that he would lay down his life for us, and we ought to what? Lay down our lives for each other. The application for knowing, seeing, considering, abiding, trusting in God's love is that we would do the same for each other. The same what? The same that Christ did for us. Lay down our lives for one another. So what he says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love has been born of God, and whoever and knows God, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God's love, God is love. And in this love of God, he made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this love. Not that we have loved him, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. The application to the advent of love is super simple. It's not easy but it's simple. Do we love one another? He doesn't tell us first to love the world and the people of the world. As a church, House Chapel, could it be said of us, that place, that church, that group of believers, they truly love one another. They are really willing to lay down their lives for one another. Is that true about us? Again, the application to the advent of love is really simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. Like a second grade, if I brought Cedar into this room and said, hey, you got to love, like that's real simple. Now the implications of that and the application of that is not so easy. Do we love one another? This is what John says in John chapter 15. This is what I'll close with this morning. Greater love has none than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends, for his brothers and his sisters in Christ. So this morning in closing, would we consider the love of God. We consider his birth. We consider the cost of his love. We consider the method of his love. We consider the implications of his love. And in considering it, will we believe it? And in believing, will we put those things into practice? Let us pray together this morning.